Priscilla McKinney, host of Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm so excited today to have Jackie Russo Anderson on the podcast with me. Welcome, Jackie. Hi, Priscilla. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anybody that is in my Women in Research uh, Funky Bunch, they get to be on the podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good policy. <laughs> it's my podcast. I could talk to whoever I want to talk to. <laughs> well, you are going to love hearing from Jackie today. She is absolutely an amazing expert in um, in not only research, but in um, growth, in what it really takes to bring a company forward. Forward. And so we're just going to have a great open conversation. I met Jackie first through my good friend who's been on the podcast, Kristen Luck. And now you're going to hear later in the interview about how they've joined forces. So it's going to be really cool. But Jackie comes uh, to this podcast with so many years of experience in research and new product development, gosh, sales, client service, <laughs> um, hands-on <laughs> data analytics. Uh, you know, what What else can I say? There's a whole long <laughs> list. But, um, you know, she she worked at J.D. Power. She's worked at Forrester Research. She's had her work published in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if you've ever heard of those publications, but um, she's kind of something special. But uh, before getting into consulting, she spent so much time in senior leadership and really helping people understand how to reestablish where they were going as a company, restructuring, training teams to really focus on integrative and, uh, and and comprehensive relationship goals. And I hope I'm saying that right, Jackie, but you and I have had a lot of conversations just really casually. And I, I kind of see the whole, uh, you know, the whole picture. I see that, that you've been able to be in leadership from so many different perspectives. So we're going to hear about that a little bit. What did I miss about your amazing, illustrious career so far? <laughs> um, I think we missed the part where we went back to like waitressing oh, okay. and all those years of <laughs> that just creates a, kitchen. a <laughs> good work ethos. That's where that comes from. I completely agree with that. Yep. I think the one thing that we've also talked about uh, maybe in, in side conversations is also how you've helped companies maximize the actual value of social media, um, both on the marketing and the sales sides. And well, actually, I'd, I'd say even one more, marketing, sales, and probably service sides, mm -hmm. because you've That's really right. been involved in in understanding how people can measure customer satisfaction and do that through social media, which is something that not a lot of people really understand. That's something that kind of is a dream out there for a lot of companies. They don't really know how to turn that into a science and really understand the analytics. So is that maybe the last thing that I missed? <laughs> yeah, that might that might be it. That was um, some really fun work we did at JD Power, yeah. where, you know, their unique perspective on customer experience and their truly collaborative client base allowed us to dig into those details to figure out like, okay, you know, how quickly do I need to respond to people on social media? Mm. How many posts should I be making? Like that level of granularity, which was really fun to take something that's, you know, kind of high level thinking and break it down to distinct metrics. Um, so again, kind of balancing, I guess it's actually a good, a good one to end on. It's, it's balancing that data analytics with the business impact, uh, which is where I like to end up when we're talking data and big things. Yeah, and you, yeah, you are all about impact. So that's a great transition, actually, into what you're doing right now. Here, all of your experience, and in fact, 
I, a little bird told me that you also won a pretty great um, award and recognition for the research you did on the social media um, research. So um, tell us a little bit about that before we move into the impact you're making with companies right now. Yeah, that uh, that work we did at J.D. Power won an ARF Great Minds Award. And because, you know, J.D. Power has an amazing uh, position in the industry and a phenomenal methodology when it comes to measuring and understanding the levers within customer satisfaction. And we're able to take some of that methodology and then apply it to social data, which no one had ever done before. So that was, that was really cool. And, and the ARF um, recognized that, and, you know, kind of understood what it took to, to get us to that place. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say, listening to CEOs and CMOs all day long, that is one of the biggest pains is that they're happy to keep going forward with social media, but they just are unsure about how to measure it and unsure if what they're measuring is even the right thing. So any more work in that area, I think, is just going to be continually, um, you know, uh, underappreciated. And also it's going to be it's still a, a major pain point for companies. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, any of those things that you can't measure directly or you have a hard time measuring directly and, and calculating an ROI against, right? It's it's that like fuzzy space where mm-hmm. you're saying like, I know this is important, but I, mm-hmm. I just can't quantify it exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried to do that. And I think one of the challenges too is that the expectations of what interactions look like in social and, and in marketing in general change so fast that it's hard to kind of go with the flow and, and stay up to date on what the trends are and what consumers mm-hmm. expect. So you have to you know constantly adjust your measures as well, right. um, which is a fun place to play in, but it's also <laughs> challenging. <laughs> but that's really where your expertise comes in because, yeah, things are trending, things are changing. And you're right, the, the, the modern consumer is changing at, at a, a phenomenal rate. And so research is trying to adapt and come alongside it and understand what it is that's going on. But, you know, your experience <laughs> is one thing that I think is a little bit missing when I'm hearing other people talk about social phenomena, social ways to measure customer satisfaction. And you're right, coming from that experience with J.D. Power, I mean, <laughs> the, yeah. you know, they practic- practically wrote the book on, you know, customer yeah. satisfaction understanding. So, um, yeah, let, let's use that. You, you, you've had incredible experience. And so now you're bringing that to really a, a different venture. You're really going out into very different consulting. So tell us about this new-ish venture <laughs> with Scalehouse. Yeah, uh, newish. That's a, that's a good way to put it. So, <laughs> <You like> it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Kristen Luck, who you referenced, and I joined forces uh, to launch Scalehouse. So, you know, Kristen was doing consulting work before with a collective, and I had decided I was ready to go um, into the world of consulting. And you know, our um, approaches are really in sync. Some sometimes so too much, so right? Or like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what I was just thinking, or I was just going to say that, or you know, we've been working with people and they're like, you know, you remind me a lot of Kristen or God, I see how you and Jackie are the same. So (laughs) I think we have to temper that a little bit. Um, But we, you know, we joined forces to bring that broad expertise that we both have and apply it to different scenarios. So, you know, I think my um, experience is kind of a great example of how I love to get into everything. 
right? And I, I'm not afraid to take one part of the business or look at a different part of the business. And I really like looking at it from a holistic perspective. And I'm just as comfortable, you know, building out technical solutions as I am, you know, putting together a client strategy that will wow uh, clients. So, and at the end of the day, what I love the most personally is just helping people, right? And um, so I figured why not help as many people as possible instead of, you know, just just one company at a time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're working across different types of organizations and really just helping companies and leaders reach their potential. You know, they'll come to us and say, you know, we've been growing, but maybe it's not as fast as we could. Or, you know, maybe it's someone who has a lifestyle business right now and they really want to scale it up. Um, or somebody who's reached a phase and like, all right, we're ready to take our company to the next level or look at an exit strategy or whatever it might be. Um, and sometimes it comes from a place of deep frustration, right? Like, uh, you know, the, the numbers aren't there or, you know, these products aren't performing or maybe the morale is off in their company. And there's just this deep sense of like, oh, uh, you know, there's got to be a better solution to what's going on. Um, and I get to come in and work with them and, and diagnose the problems and help them really identify the opportunities and then put together a strategy that helps them get to that place of success. And that's what I love the most, right? Is that moment when you're working with someone and you're like, all right, let's, you know, break this down. Let's get it into some workable ideals. And then you get that point where these things start clicking into place and you see that like, oh my God, here we go. You know, the revenue starting to build back up or, you know, the team's getting really excited. And you're like, see, like (laughs) we can do this. You've got the potential. You just need a little bit of help. And yeah, Everybody needs help at some point, right? Like, we can't all do it by ourselves. That's really hard, though. Strike the right balance between that that flexibility you're talking about. You and Kristen have the ability to go in these conversations and just have just really – uh, just a, a conversation. Are, are we growing? Like, what what is it you want? Are we are we trying to get mm-hmm. to an acquisition um, future, or are we just simply trying to grow? We're trying to grow morale. We're trying to grow, you know, our uh, products. We all these things. So you could be having any kind of conversation, and you guys are very flexible about that. Saying, you know, you don't come in with this prescribed. This is what we do in consulting. On the other hand, you guys strike a really interesting balance with the rigor you apply once people have identified what those ideals, what those goals are. And that's Mm -hmm. where I I see the sweet spot with um, Scalehouse uh, Consulting. It it, it is that kind of real world, let's just talk about what you want as a leadership group, and then we'll talk about how we put rigor behind it. Yeah, we have, you know, a toolkit and some methodologies and frameworks that we've developed that we jump in and apply. Um, But it's more about, you know, almost like that EQ understanding first of like, all right, what's really going on here? And also what really are your goals? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, some consulting groups will come in and it's very transactional um, and almost like diagnostic, like you would go to the doctor, right? Like, all right, give me this symptom, this symptom, this (laughs) symptom. Okay, this means this, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so many other factors that, are come into play as a business owner or within the ecosystem of a company, like, you know, not everybody's going to be able to get to X point of the company, right? right? It might just not make sense with what you're working with. 
Um, and somebody's got to be able to come in and, and have those conversations and understand not only the very technical aspects of what's going on, but also kind of the more nuanced and underlying Mm -hmm. tones of what's going on. I think that's important, too. Right. Well, you have worked across a lot of different types of organizations, but you've also worked across generations. So tell us a little bit about your experience and your expertise about millennials. Yeah. So um, when I was at Forrester, I started really digging into the data behind millennials and developing a segmentation and kind of pounding the drums on the opportunity within the segment and kind of the differentiation within that group before that was really a thing and before it had gone super <laughs> negative, right? When right, the right. millennials were the cause of every problem that ever faced the earth. When people said um, millennials and then directly followed by the word UG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but you know, the data that we collected at Forrester really was this amazing dovetail of technology and how it was impacting consumers' lives along with, you know, gosh, hundreds and hundreds of brands that we were collecting information on. And with that view, we could really get a sense of what was coming, you know, for this unique generation. And um, so I got to work with a lot of different companies and contributed to a couple of books on the topic, uh, which was really fun. And now it's, you know, everybody, everybody knows everything about millennials probably more than you want to know, right? I don't know. I don't know. I think you and I could probably have a discussion. I probably take bring too many assumptions to the table, but I still think it would be interesting to hear your perspective on it. But this year, I did get to hear you speak about the one aspect of your business that you do with, uh, with Kristen at Scale House Consulting, about growth hacking. I heard you speak at IIEX Austin. We had a good time there. And I know we're kind of heading into conference season again for this year. Not quite there, but uh, have you, do you have an idea about where you're going to be, where you're going to be speaking or what you're going to be attending? Yeah, it's funny. I'm actually working on a blog piece right now about the conference season. So so perfect question. Um, <laughs> still shaping up the total list, but um, likely TMRE, right? It's, a, I think, a staple for, for many of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mini Analytics in Boston is actually putting on a conference in coordination with Boston University, the Field Guide to Data Science and Emerging Tech. I'm going to be speaking at that one, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then IAEX has another Boston event. And you can notice a theme here with location. Yes, yes, yeah, I'll be at that one. So that'll be fun. I'll be co-chairing uh, that with Will Leach. So we'll get to see each other in Boston. Perfect. Yeah. And, that, and that's it for now. Um, and then we'll see what else gets added to that. Awesome. Are you an influencer, thought leader, or author looking to grow your reach? Are you a speaker looking to turn up the volume and truly engage with your audience? If you answered yes, listen closely. Join PR and media expert Deirdre Breckenridge and speaker and communication strategist Dolores Hirschman on October 3rd and 4th in New York City for a live workshop geared toward influencers just like you. You'll learn how to create your very own speaking strategy to turn up the volume, understand how to convert your audience into paying clients, and so much more. Visit bit.ly slash PM dash special. That's bit.ly slash PM dash special. And use our exclusive code PM special for 10% off. Or just click the link in our show notes to sign up. Well, let's shift gears a little bit about um, 
about really company culture because that's another piece. You mentioned it just very briefly about the morale. Sometimes that's one of the issues that people can't bring the company forward because mm-hmm. there's some kind of a culture problem or a morale problem. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts about company culture and even your experiences. What what company maybe you had the best experience at? Yeah, and I think company culture is so important. Uh, and I know there's a lot of buzz talk about it lately, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the thing. Uh, but it, really, it is a make or break it scenario for all elements of a company from the senior leadership team, all the way down to, you know, the most junior person in the organization. And it really touches every level of productivity in my perception. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it ranges from impacting your hardline numbers to just impacting how fast you can grow a company, right? Because you need the support of the organization. Uh, and I think some people come at it from this idea of like, well, a company builds itself, right? It kind of, it just, it starts with some of the employees and as you build a company, it just kind of, you know, snowballs, I guess, into this ideal of company culture. And you know, it definitely is impacted by who you bring into a company and it builds with it. But I think it is so important that there's, you know, guardrails and a support structure that's given to a culture, right? Mm -hmm. I don't garden, I don't have a green thumb at all. But to use a gardening, (laughs) I'm sure some listeners do. And then maybe they can email me afterwards with some tips (laughs) so that I can actually grow something. Um, But, you know, comparing it to that, it's like if you plant a garden in your backyard, and you throw some plants in there, you know, and they get some rain and some sun, yeah, they're going to grow, right? And then they're going to, some animals going to come along and put something else in the garden and that'll spread out. But then you've got some weeds that are in there. And if you don't tend to it, you know, those weeds are going to grow, overgrow everything. And maybe I'm giving a little bit too much information about what my yard looks like at the moment. But (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, you really have to go in and you have to cultivate that, right? Like you have to set up the area of the garden. You kind of have to give it like a little fenced in area and say, okay, this is where the garden's going to grow. This is what our culture is going to look like. And it's just as important to like pull the weeds and get the bad parts out as it is to plant stuff. Right. I think you have to find that balance because mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever been in an organization where, you know, there's a couple over performers or overachievers and they do phenomenally well for a company. Right. Maybe they're the salespeople. Maybe they're the grouchy product people that are hunkered down in a back room or something. And they're highly productive for a company, but they also just put a total damper on the culture. <laughs> I think that that is just as derisive to a company mm-hmm. as, you know, the people who do a really good job. Like you've got to balance it. You can't just let it go free. Yeah. I'm um, a firm believer in the fact that if you keep people around or tolerate, you know, behavior yeah, that is tolerate. not, you know, collaborative or is not, um, you know, grounded in deep appreciation for your peers, you know, or yeah. respectful, oh, you all you do is you punish, you know, the really great people who are contributing. And and, yeah. and eventually it does Just off the fly, it. you said something about how, you know, culture can impact how fast you can grow. And I don't think I really ever thought of it like that. But, you know, I think sometimes when we're under stress here and we're trying to move pretty fast, you know, you can't ha- have put the pressure on 
all year long. You know, you can't just constantly right. get, you know, stuff. You have to have these seasons where we're all working really hard for things. And then we all relax, too. Yes. We're yeah. right now just just this last week or two in a, oh, let's just relax for a little bit. And I, it made me take a deep breath this morning in our production meeting going, you know what, Priscilla, just go with this. It's going to need to be, you know, I, I even said to everybody, and I go, how about 40 days where we're no pressure? Yeah. And everybody's kind of looking at me like, oh, that sounds great, you know, because you can't always be driving. And no, it doesn't work. It, it yeah, doesn't so it's work not at always all. about that fast. But, you know, one other thing you and I talked a little bit about at um, the Women in Research Executive Retreat this last year was about one of the speakers who said, the leader sets the tone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most impactful things that you're saying about company culture is that you can't, yeah, things grow because things are organic. I mean, it's a group of people. Things are going to grow. But are you sure it's what you want to grow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that, you know, that it's not that we can completely come in as the leader or the owner or anything like that and and dictate the culture exactly. But we certainly, certainly can set the tone. Yeah, absolutely. And what you allow to happen or not happen sets a tone, Mm -hmm. too, right? So, you know, I think some leaders, they get to a place and and I get it, right? Like, especially when you're at that top level, you've got so much on your plate, there's so much going on, you can't be involved in everything, right? And you want your employees to be happy. So you want to give them space to kind of figure stuff out for themselves. But that is not the solution to building a company culture. You know, you are at the end of the day, the leader and whether or not you want to be seen as that kind of you know, person at the head, you are. And, and it's just like kids, right? They, they pick up cues from you on the way you act, the way you react, you know, how you walk into a room, what's your stress level. Um, you know, I did this article where it showed that having a stressed leader or a perceived stressed leader greatly reduces employee um, productivity. Oh, I totally agree. And I am so guilty of it sometimes. And we we do have a very self-aware environment over here. <laughs> so I, I literally would be like, I'm sorry, I'm so stressed right now. And even yeah. just calling it, calling a spade a spade does help a lot. But yeah. even if you call it, you really also have to understand that as the leader, I feel the, the, you know, I feel compelled to take care of myself and get out of that stress as soon as I can, because it does affect everybody. And, you know, even even the fact that they empathize with me, but they're using up that empathy. So it's not like they know I'm not, you know, stressed at them or it's not directed to them, but it does affect the whole you know, environment that they have to live in all day long. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's inevitable sometimes and, and having that self-awareness piece can help with the culture. But ultimately, we have to do the work to get out of it and not live in it all the time. Yep. Yeah. And I think that cue of how you react to the stress is really important, right? Like, is as a leader, is your reaction to stress to lash out at other people, to go underground, you know, to get angry to whatever? Or is your response, like you said, to call it out and say, listen, I'm really stressed and then say, okay, what can I take off of my plate right now? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I need to, can I say, hey, I need to go, you know, take a quick lunchtime yoga or take, you know, a walk around the building or whatever. I think those are the kind of, you know, small things mm-hmm. that end up filtering all the way down through the organization. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Brene Brown put it 
one particular way, and I'm, I know I'm, I, it's not de- definitely not a quote at all, but it, it's something that impacted me in terms of the way that I think about stress is that she kind of made me think of the fact that when we are stressed like that, or when we react poorly, maybe that would be a better way to say to stress, it's the people who are in less power under us who suffer. And so mm-hmm. for me, that's my kids and that's my employees. And that's not yeah. a value statement of, oh, they're less valuable to me. It's just they're in less less of a standing of power. And so, you know, yeah, my husband can take it and he, you know, <laughs> you know okay, we're, we're equals here. But, you know, lashing out like that, that kind of stuff has like long-term effects. So you mentioned something else about how, you know, you just briefly kind of said that, that um, company culture and negative company culture can impact sales. So it kind of made me curious when someone presents to you for consulting, what are some of the things they're saying? Number one, they're saying, hey, something's going on with our sales. We don't know what it is. But what are some of the other questions? Like, who is it that is a good a good client for you? Yeah, um, good question. It's, it's really anybody who has a company or is working in a company in a, in a senior position, although most of the time we work with, you know, CEOs or uh, board advisors, that's our main entry point. Mm-hmm. And they come to us and say, hey, our company is not growing as we expected. Um, and generally, it's going to come down to be there be like a people, a process, or a product issue. Um, and we look across sales, marketing, product uh, are the main drivers and, and groups that we work with in. And it can be everything, right? So um, I have a client who's looking to build up a sales organization, right? They, they've been on the smaller side and they have a couple of people who are selling right now, but it's not a true organization. So how do you scale for a client-centric sales and service organization? Mm-hmm. Um, another company that has as I think many of us have been in positions of experiencing this, uh, built up a product or built up a company with a lot of different product additions, Mm -hmm. right? And legacy products. So then you get to a point where you're like, "Mm -hmm. okay, we need to grow, but we have this like disparate product system going on around us. Mm -hmm. So we need to objectively take a look at what's in the mix and say, okay, we're going to keep this you know, this has maybe got to be sunset. These should really be combined. How are we going to go to market with this? Who are we really selling now to now, right? Because the market is changing versus, you know, who maybe we have been selling to for the last five, 10 years, right? right? That changes. Um, and then, you know, some of my, I have the most fun with some like post-merger merger and acquisition companies who are bringing together two different companies and saying, okay, like, how do we fit this puzzle together? What does this right. look like right. on every level, yeah, um, that's, which is that's, really fun. <laughs> super challenging. Well, the one thing I don't know about your business is about this new mastermind program that you've put together. So take, walk me through it from the beginning. Who's it for? What are the benefits? What, do, what are you looking for? 
Yeah. So uh, the masterminds, if uh, listeners have never heard of them or been involved with them before, they're a really cool kind of group coaching situation. Uh, They're intentionally small. There's about six to eight participants in each group. And we go through an interview process to make sure that the people who are brought into the session uh, make sense. And, you know, they're going to benefit, but also the people in the group will benefit from having them within their and then you spend about six six months, most of them run, um, really coming into the group and not only getting a direct coaching relationship with, with me, but also benefiting from the shared knowledge uh, within the group. So we have three masterminds that are launching. The first one is sales and marketing. And that's really for, you know, senior marketing and sales leaders who are trying to optimize their organizations and especially focus on optimizing the relationship between the two, right? Because once you have those two groups in sync, that is a a magic force for revenue growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one is on product and go-to-market strategy. So that's for people who are, again, trying to maximize some of the things I was just talking about, about figuring out, okay, either I'm taking something to market and I need to get all my ducks in a row, um, or, you know, maybe I'm looking to reevaluate my uh, product mix and go for that. And then the final one is on leadership and culture. And that's really for any leader, um, whether it be, you know, within your team or throughout a company who's trying to be more mindful and intentional about what they're building leadership and culture wise within their group or their organization. So, and that one uh, is a little bit shorter. It's kind of more of an intense focus, but we have group calls uh, twice a month where you're in one of two positions. You're either kind of having the stage for the session where you come in and talk about, you know, what it is that you're trying to achieve, giving us a little bit of background, and then we help you ideate on how to make it happen, help in goal setting, um, and then we do some back channeling between meetings to make sure that you're held accountable and just check in and support you along the way. I mean, I think you can probably attest as a, as a business owner that sometimes that journey gets a little bit um, lonely, right? Or there's... <laughs> yeah, it gets very lonely. And I also like to refer to it as the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's it's true, though. That's a great way to describe it. Um, and, and sometimes you just need a crew who understands what you're going through, who, you know, can very objectively support you and help you ideate. Um, and also to also be completely honest, sometimes you need a little bit of accountability, right? Like you have a goal, but you're doing so much else that you need someone who says, okay, we're carving out this time and this is what we're going to do. And we know that you're trying to, you know, increase sales by 20%, or we know that you're trying to launch this product before the end of the year. So we're going to, you know, keep you accountable. And then we're going to show you kind of the tips and tricks along the way so that you can, you know, zoom to the end and you can skip that shoots and ladder part that you generally have to go through as an entrepreneur. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with everything you're saying. And then I say, amen. So you, you've helped so many people in their careers, career development, obviously helping people shape culture, looking at the people they have on board, the processes, the products. You have heard a lot of advice over the years. And I like to do a little bit of a rapid fire um, at the end of our podcast so people can really get to know you better. I'd love to hear from you. What's some of the 
best advice you've ever received and what was some of the worst? <laughs> I don't know if all this can be shared on air. But, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will not name names. <laughs> um, you know, I think maybe the best advice I ever got was very like simple. Trust your gut. I think, you know, especially climbing the ladder or advancing your career, whatever you want to call it, um, especially as, you know, when you're younger and I would think exacerbated by being a female just by the nature of who we tend to be. There's a lot of moments when self-doubt can creep in, you know, whether you think somebody knows better because they have more years of experience or because someone speaks up louder and interrupts more in a meeting (laughs) um, or even just in knowing, you know, and listening to what you need individually for your own kind of uh, mental health. I think there is a lot of opportunity for us to say, ah, no, maybe I shouldn't go with what I'm thinking because like I said, X, Y, and Z, this person knows more. They have a bigger title. They work for a bigger company. They whatever, whatever, whatever. And at the end of the day, all of the decisions that I made where I went against that gut feeling, Mm -hmm. they never panned out well. Right. So it's very simple advice, but I think there's something to be said about that, knowledge base that we build up as humans, right, without even realizing it, based on all of the experiences, all of the data that you've brought to bear throughout your career, throughout your life. Um, you know, we're analytical machines. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're researchers, <laughs> but there's so much research going on in in ourselves and on uh, you know, a lower level that we don't recognize that we have to, you know, our gut isn't really just your gut. It's mm-hmm. coming from a place of experience that I, I've seen a lot of people and myself ex- included discount. And I think mm-hmm. you got to stay true to that. Yeah. That makes me think of Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Yep. I love that. Okay. Share with us some really horrible advice. <laughs> remember any? <laughs> um, oh yeah. I remember a lot. Um, probably, you know, I think hard work will sell itself is an old adage um, mm-hmm. that I heard a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it it definitely has its place. I'm not saying don't work hard. Mm-hmm. But I think the notion that working hard will be enough is isn't true. I think instead, it's work hard and understand the circumstances, right? I've mm-hmm. been lucky enough to work for leaders who recognize hard work and your hard work will speak for itself. But I've definitely also worked for plenty of leaders where that isn't enough, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to do the back channeling or the politicking, or at least speak up for yourself and make sure that people notice what you're doing and what you're working on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I shared um, an article on LinkedIn about self-promotion. And I think it's an important trait, right? Like you don't have to be the person who's standing from the top of the company's podium at every meeting saying like, Oh, I did this and I'm amazing and la la la. But at the same time, you know, especially if you're in a bigger organization, what you're doing might not always get seen if you don't help bubble it up in some way. Right. Yeah. I love that. The sense of agency and 
and really self-advocacy <laughs> is what's yeah. going on. And I think a lot of people say that like, oh, well, I don't want to be too self-promoting. Okay, well, then don't be. Then right. cl- show people how you worked with other people to collaborate and how yeah. it was a win for the full, whole company. And, there, you know, it's kind of like people say to me, well, I don't want to do marketing because it's so salesy. It's like, well, don't do salesy marketing. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, so I don't want to, you know, you know, uh, self-promote because then people, you know, I'd be uh, arrogant. Well, just don't be arrogant. Right. <laughs> just right. self-promote in a way that makes sense and has a, a good understanding of, you know, uh, of, of agency. And then people will recognize it for the truth that you provide. Yeah. And empower your champions to advocate for you, too. Oh, that's um, nice. You know, I think a lot of people have mentors, which is great. I know I spend a lot of time mentoring and I I firmly believe in that, but also take advantage of champions, which aren't necessarily your mentors, right? They can be, but they aren't necessarily. And if you're lucky enough to secure a champion, who's someone who, you know, above you in the organization, who is doing that advocating for you and kind of has the bullhorn about your capabilities, um, make sure that you help them understand what it is that you want to be promoting about yourself. Because, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes senior leaders who are championing for you, they're so busy, they might not know everything that you're doing in and out of the office, mm-hmm. right? So just arm them with that information so that when they're in a meeting and the next promotion discussion's coming up, they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, I know Priscilla would be great for that because I know she does X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um so that's important too. Well, you, me, and Krista, and so many people at Women in Research Executive, we have talked about this notion of being a champion for other women in more of this idea of sponsorship and not just mentorship. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's one thing yep. to mentor, but there's another thing to truly advance somebody. And that yep. is a really important part of getting ahead. And to be frank, you know, men have mastered it for a lot of years. And women have to be very sharp and very smart about the way that we sponsor each other into, you know, just reach. Like even right now, you know, having you on my show because I like you and I know what you do and I know you do it well. And I know it will represent my company, you know, uh, in a great light. But you also have to then sponsor someone and say, hey, well, why don't Mm -hmm. I give you the reach of my people? Let me do for you because then I know I'm creating an environment where someone else will do for me. I exactly. love this sense of like agency and self-promotion, but in the couched in the concept of championing, you know, other women and championing really people who, and not just women, but people who significantly really could use that sponsorship far beyond mentorship. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because sometimes you don't, especially, you know, in the earlier stages of your career, you don't always know what the possibilities are, right? So in having a, a champion who can kind of like pull you by the back of your coat and pull you along with them and say, no, like, level up over here and look at the view from up here. You Mm -hmm. could be doing this or you could be doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to make sure that I tell people, whether I'm mentoring them or on my teams, like, these are the skills that I see in you. And this is how I see it playing out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had quite a few conversations where people call, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that before. I hadn't seen myself in that role before. And I think that's really important too, right? Because in a lot of cases, there are a lot of roles that you don't see people like yourself in, right? Right. That's just the nature 
of the industry and <laughs> business world. Jackie, no joke. I had a girlfriend of mine take me to lunch and say, hey, I'm moving and either I'm going to close my marketing agency or I'm going to sell it to you. You would be perfect to run a marketing agency. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, once I, you know, once I heard it, it's just like, I cannot even imagine doing something else at this point. It's right. so perfect for me, but it takes uh, someone else from the outside calling, you, you know, not 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 falsely putting us up, but calling out just a gifting yeah. that people see. And yeah, it takes people doing that. And that's absolutely my story. So I, I totally appreciate you saying that. And I think it is important. You couldn't possibly know so early in your career what all the possibilities are. And I've heard those stories in women uh, in research exec, you know, group, even uh, uh, Tacey, you know, that's over at um, now at um, Dynata, uh, you know, she, her career, other people have mentored her and then sponsored her. And she told me a story about someone going, hey, you would be great for this. And she's like, wow, I, I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that position. I I, I didn't right. really think I could do that. Like, are you kidding me? You could do that in your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and it and takes other like, people what? seeing it in you and calling it out. Yeah. I, I remember I had um, a manager once tell me like, hey, I want you to take this position. And I actually laughed at him, which probably wasn't a good response, but <laughs> it was just so far from what I had visioned. And like, it, it wasn't even like a blip anywhere on my radar screen. And then you take it back and you're like, all right, then when, of course I have to put like an analytical lens on it. Cause I got to return to my data roots, but you know, you look at it objectively like, okay, that you need this skill, this skill, this skill. And like, okay, that actually does make sense. Right. Uh, I never would have gone that way, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there it is. Right, right. But I think that's, you know, that's, that's part of what we need to do to help people see all of those possibilities. I love it. I love it. Okay, rapid fire. Let's talk about podcast apps, books, blogs, you love. What all do you right. want to start with? <laughs> um, podcasts, I, I like have ADHD when it comes to podcasts. And I listen to like, <laughs> episodes of everything. Um, of course this one and, uh, lately it's been like masters of scale and growth experts, which, you know, are keeping a theme of of growth that Mm -hmm. I've been on. Um, apps, my apps are really functional and not super exciting. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like, okay, Duncan, uh, probably because I need my coffee, right? Okay. I can pre-order it. <laughs> that's fair. Um, that's fair. <laughs> and then probably like Spotify and, and Peloton because mm-hmm. they're either, you know, fueling background music or, or mm-hmm. getting me to exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then books, I think, Contagious Culture, which I know has been on, on mentioned before with Anise Kavanaugh. Oh, it's just so good. It's incredible. It's it just, it's a must read for everybody. Any any mentee I have, I have them read it. Um, I think I've probably referred that book. Oh God, I don't know how many times. <laughs> but and even not only for work environments, but I think personal applications as well. It's it, it's a it's a must read. Put it no, on the list. I've had her on the podcast, and I mean every time, you know, I think oh we're going to about talk about something in business. No, I end up talking about something personal, and it, you know because <laughs> her work it, it is so deep. And so it is, it covers all of how Everything. you show up everywhere. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah I agree. And I think it's important. <laughs> Sometimes it's tough to read, right? Because then you have to do some self-reflection right. and you're like, ouch. Yeah. But, uh, but it is good work to be done. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Never Split the Difference, because Voss is another good one on the sales side. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, I think another must read and probably a buy. I like to buy books in mm-hmm. hard copy yep. and then annotate them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, that's so I style. should borrow books from you then because then I don't you have should, all the good notes. They're in there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And are, do you follow any blogs? I mean, you guys write a fantastic uh, blog at Scale House yeah. and you guys go back and forth. They're really, they're really fantastic. But, um, so I know you guys have a very, um, high, um, uh, a bar for curating blogs. So what yeah. do you, you know, do you follow any? Yeah, no, um, I follow some of my former Forrester colleagues. There's some great blogs that they post. Um, but and then, of course, ours. And if I'm not reading, I'm writing. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. one or the other. You have to do your share. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's right. I love I love oh, writing. So very that doesn't cool. take too hard. Well, Jackie, yep. thank you so much for coming on. Tell everybody how they can connect with you because, you know, you've got a kind of a longer name and and tell us where you <laughs> like to connect with people. Yeah, so on LinkedIn, it's Jackie R.A. is my uh, ID. So that's easy to find. Otherwise, Jackie Russo Anderson. And then it's Jackie at scalehouse.consulting. Or you can find me on Twitter at J.A.R. Anderson. Um, Those are usually the best ways to find me. Awesome. Well, I'm going to find you at the conferences here coming up and we're going to have a drink. How about that? That sounds like a plan to me. (laughs) Awesome. Jackie, thanks so much for coming. You too, Priscilla. Thanks for having me. From all of us here at Ponderings from the Perch and Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.